All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 80-20 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, everybody. Ooh, fired up for this week's episode 151 coming to you every single week. 30 minute ish podcast episode coming out to continue to grow, to continue our path to being confident and better youth baseball coaches. While this podcast is designed specifically for youth baseball coaches, it does get advanced from time to time. Speaking of youth coaches and making advancements, I got an email, another one. Actually, got two emails. I received two emails this just this last week. I received one just the other day from a coach. You know who you are. You left a great review on the Apple podcast. Thank you so much. Essentially saying within three weeks, took a group that was quote ragtag group and turned them into much better ball players using what we're talking about here. What I'm sharing out here, this stuff here is not coming right from me. Essentially what I've done is curated. I've vetted. I've run it through these filters of all the experience that I have out there coaching for so many years of working with kids, playing professionally, playing high-level college, playing high-level high school, going all the way through youth ball, going to baseball games since 1985, professional games. I grew up a diehard baseball person, and I'm sharing that because I believe I've been put in a place with my background and just how the chips fell in my life, how they came together, and all the wisdom and all the great coaching I saw, and also just my path as it's taken me. I feel like I'm in a really good place to be able to say, hey, what that coach is sharing out is gold or maybe there's five coaches that are sharing out one particular way of doing something, but one of them teaches it a little bit better than the rest. Well, then I'm going to grab that and I'm going to share it with you. We diversify our coaching strategies, but there are ways that just work flat out better. And there's also a lot of stuff out there that doesn't work as well or as efficiently or as effectively. There is a lot of coaching information out there that's a C, that's a B. It's not boiled down to the best. I've never looked at great coaches and just said, oh, they do this and thus that's the gold standard. That's the final say and that's how it should be done. I'm always looking at it and running it through my filter of 35 years of baseball and going, could it be better? Could it be a little bit better? Could it be a lot better? I have seen with my own two eyes so many young coaches hear something from a coach that's been around that's had success or have won a lot of games and they say something that they do or they share out a strategy or a tip and then that's it. That's what they grab onto and use and they don't, even for the greatest, even for the Augie girl, Burritos, even for the Tommy Lasortas, even for the Bob Lattisors, if you know high school football, considered the greatest high school football coach of all time. Even those, even the John Woodens, we should still ask ourselves, is that the best way? A lot of times it can be improved a little bit. And I remember growing up, there was a commercial that came on the TV all the time. And most of you are old enough to remember this. The company was BASF, BASF. I don't remember what the acronym stood for, but I remember their slogan was, we don't make the product you buy. We make the products you buy better. That's what we're doing here at 8020 Baseball. We're just taking all the great wisdom out there and just trying to either say, hey, that is the definitively best way to do it, or that is at least the best way that we know of, or is there a better way? And then boom, here it is. Let's go. So the email that I received about using the 8020 Baseball system, the system is a compilation. It's a curation of all the great wisdom out there vetted through, I believe, somebody who's been put here, put on a life path to be able to look at it objectively, unbiasedly, and also run it through, back test it through a ton of experience and say, hey, this 
this is the way to do it, or this is probably not the best way, but here, let's do this. Blending the best of the old school coaches and wisdom out there, the old school baseball with the new school, creating the best school. And that's what we're trying to do here. Today's episode, top five tweets of the month. That'll be a quick part. Then we're going to get into one surefire way, how to tell which coaches are true masters of something that they're talking about, how we can use that and how understanding that will make us a much better coach. I'm going to share out a general principle of coaching and teaching that is a surefire way to tell if a coach is using it, that they're true masters, or if anybody's using it, a teacher, somebody, a mentor, that they are true masters of what they're sharing, of what they're coaching, what they're teaching, the message they are giving, the skill that they are building up, that they are teaching up, that they are coaching up. So we'll get into that. If you didn't catch last week's episode, I know that there was an audio issue at first, and I appreciate a couple of listeners reached out and said, hey, the audio is not coming through. It picked up the file. I've never had that happen. It picked up the file. It showed the minutes. It showed the data on the file, but it didn't show it. I guess the audio wasn't coming through, but we addressed it quickly, got that fixed. So that's all good to go. Episode 150 is rocking and rolling. And we talked about an email I received from my kids soccer league, and it was top five. It was five top tips for parents slash spectators. So I'm a parent, right, for this. And it was a great top five, a five effective tips to share with parents and spectators. And I highly recommend you go back, listen to that and share it out. If you want that list, email me, I'll send it to you. And I recommend sharing that list with your parents and your the spectators at the game. Typically it's parents and maybe other family members. We also touched on a great John Wooden quote last week and we finished up, we wrapped up our three-part series of words that often decrease success. Coaching words that often decrease success. So go back, listen to that. Before we dive in today, I want to just call out the Major League Baseball season, the 2022 Major League Baseball season. Wow. And I'm not going to get into it too much, but what a season. Aaron Judge, 62 home runs. Shohei Otani, or as I call him, Shotani. What an amazing year. Probably more amazing than anything else that happened. I know he's probably not going to win the MVP, but man, oh man, he's the first player ever to qualify as a pitcher and as a hitter, meaning he had enough at-bats and enough innings pitched to be considered both a full-time pitcher and a full-time hitter for the year. Wow, that's impressive. Something that's never been done before. Aaron Judge, something that had never been done in the American League before. Albert Pujols. Hey, I'm not a huge Albert Pujols fan, but wow, what a storybook ending to that career. That was just fun because baseball, it's about professional baseball, is about the fans and the entertainment value. And boy, oh boy, did Pujols entertain the fans at the end of the year. That was awesome. And I'm not even, like I said, I'm not even a Pujols fan, but wow, how could you not just be like, that is super cool how he finished up there. Those of you that have listened to this podcast for a while know that I went to Long Beach State. I played four years at Long Beach State as a dirtbag. Jeff McNeil won the batting title for the National League. Again, I'm not a huge fan of the batting average, but it does have some indication of hitting success. And it's always great to see an ex-alumni, an ex-Long Beach State, an ex-dirtbag player do really well in the major leagues. Jeff McNeil won the title. Here's one for you. I'm a Dodger fan. They won 111 games. It was the most wins by a National League team since like 1907. Over well over 100 years, they won more games than any other team in the National League in well over 100 years. Pretty awesome. But the pitcher, Julio Urias, he should win the Cy Young. I know Alcantara, he did really awesome this year for the Marlins. But if you match up all the numbers, I think Julio Urias, man, did he have a phenomenal year. He had a great year last year. Was a 20-game winner last year. Man, and here's something we can learn from this as youth coaches. Julio Urias came from a tiny, similar to Fernando Valenzuela. 
Collins Whale, it's eerily similar how their stories have kind of come about in parallel to each other. Obviously, you know, 40 years removed from one another. But he came from a little pueblo, a little village in Mexico, and he's literally legally blind in one eye. So he's blind in one eye. He came from a super poor village in an area that has really no organized baseball, anything like what we see in America or Canada or in Australia or any of that. And here he is absolutely carving up major league players. In the last two years, his record is 37 and 10. His ERA is like 2.5. He is so good. And here is a guy, he's not, doesn't look like a real good athlete. I don't think his body fat percentage is all that great. He's not heavy set. He's not like Bartolo, my boy Bartolo, but he's out there literally blind in one eye, doesn't have an athletic look to him at all. Came from a poor village in Mexico from essentially the rancho. He has so many things in his life that he could just point to and say, this is why things didn't work out, but he didn't. So when you're working with a player and you're in some rural area, you're working with a player that doesn't look like Aaron Judge. It doesn't have this physique or doesn't have the resources. Julio Urias. That's all I got to say. And there are so many examples of players like him that came from backgrounds and circumstances and have the genetic gifts or should we say lack the genetic gifts. Yeah, he's got an arm that throws the ball hard, but he's put in the work and he's a great player for young players to look up to, to see and say, hey, well, he can do it. I can do it. But all in all, the Major League Baseball season, one of the absolute best, most entertaining seasons in recent memory. Wow. What a great year. I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, no, I'm not going to go Jim Moore on you. But speaking of playoffs, this is a great time. If you have not watched a lot of baseball, this is a great time to binge watch, to really soak in a good amount of baseball, albeit the major league level. The skills of baseball and what plays are a little different at youth ball and in some ways a lot different. But but what you might want to look at are the commonalities amongst all the great teams. And the best teams are those that are in the playoffs. These are the teams that have risen to the top, the cream of the crop this year. This is the time of year you can watch the all-star game, but that's one game and typically those players are not pulling out all their tricks in that game. But in the playoffs, you're going to see everything you're going to see or you should look for commonalities amongst all the teams. Not just what one team is doing necessarily or one player, but look for commonalities. Connect some dots there. And if you don't have time, just listen to this podcast and we'll share out those commonalities as we move through the playoffs. Speaking of moving through, we're getting to part one, top five coaching tweets of the month. We are going to hit this quick, but these are five good coaching tweets that we can learn from. First one, Coach David Klein. He was on this podcast not that long ago. Coach Klein said, quote, do not look like a slob on the baseball field. If you are a player or a coach, you need to look the part. (laughs) That's a good one, right? I like it. Not a big fashion person. I think people that over-exaggerate or over-try on their fashion, there's other issues going underlying issues, but looking good on the baseball field, looking together as a team, tucking your stuff in, not looking outlandish, not looking totally gehinish. I had to throw that word in. My grandma used to say it all the time. I guess it was a popular word in Butte, Montana. But in any case, we should go out there and look the part. Definitely as a coach, set that example. Look the part. You don't need to look fancy, but try to look the part. Or as Coach Klein said, just don't look like a slob. I think this is important. I've coached for many years and every once in a while I come across another coach on another team and I'm like, ooh, I am not sure how the players take that coach seriously. There's probably some players on that team thinking, geez, our coach, he kind of looking like a slob. I don't know. So it kind of, for some reason, maybe subconsciously, it, it just kind of detracts from the respect or the trustworthiness or the believability of what that coach is now sharing out. Quote number two of our top five 
five quotes of the month. This is from Cade McGee. Cade McGee said, quote, sports should be about enjoyment, cooperation, team building, learning to deal with adversity, building character, and pursuing excellence. He was quoting Tony Dungy, the well-known ex-NFL coach. Tony Dungy's list right there lines up perfectly with the 80-20 baseball mission, paradigm, system. Quote number three from Chris Sevier. Now, Chris, if you're listening, I'm probably saying your name wrong, but I saw this tweet of yours. He said, quote, I want to scream this. Head coaches, get your assistants on the same page. Nothing worse than a pissing contest to see who can coach the most. Your athletes aren't listening anymore. This falls into the category of overcoaching and overtalking. It's kind of a different perspective or a different angle of it, but it's the same idea. I remember years ago, I was coaching Long Beach Jordan High School football. Inner city, these kids were mostly North Long Beach, Compton, some Watts, Paramount kids. And here I was coaching these players, coaching wide receivers, and the offensive coordinator comes over and I'm coaching up the kids, the receivers on how to get off the ball, their first couple steps. And I'm sharing out a tip, a strategy. I share it out, go for about 60 seconds. And then the offensive coordinator says, no, don't do that. Don't listen to him. This is what you're going to do. He says that right in front of everybody, right in front of all of the wide receiver group, the entire wide receiver group. He says that if I didn't care so much about the kids and trying to set a good example, I would have just walked away and said, hey, you know what? You coach them up. I'm not dealing. I'm not going to deal with that. That's disrespectful. But we have to check our ego. We have to keep our ego in check. And I made sure I stayed calm. And afterwards, I told him, I said, hey, if you disagree with something I'm coaching, you need to either one, say it in a little bit better way, a little play where you're not undermining me directly in front of these kids that I'm supposed to coach. This is my group. I'm coaching the receivers. By the way, I played football. I was offered a scholarship by all the top schools, not a letter, literally a call that said, we want to offer you a scholarship across the country. Every single school, I was a tight end. They flexed me out, played slot. I played out on the edge in the wide receiver spot as a tight end. Getting off the ball is a big deal. In fact, I was watching the Sunday night game the other day and they had Kelsey on the post game interview. Some of you might've seen this and Kelsey's there. He's He came out from the locker room to do a post game discussion. They had just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And one of the things, one of the main things they were talking to him about as a tight end was getting off the ball and how he's getting off the ball and some of his things to get off the ball and double team and things like that. So as a tight end, anybody here that's coach football or plays as a tight end, you got to get good at getting off the ball because you typically have a player could be a linebacker, a defensive end, or if you're out flexed out, you still have the same issues to deal with, with those defensive backs that a receiver would have. And I'm teaching the wide receivers this and the coach undermines me. That is a bad situation. I recommend to all of us, here's a learning point I would love to share. If you disagree with something, if you can, if it's something that's very important, like getting off the ball for a receiver is an important thing. What type of gloves they're wearing, not so important. But getting off the ball, that's a very important thing to teach receivers. That's a big deal. And when we're teaching these important things, I think it's best to actually talk with the assistant coaches with our group of coaches before and say, hey, how are we going to teach this? What's the terminology? Let's make sure we iron this out before we present it. That's not always doable at the youth level because you just don't have the time. You are all so busy with your day jobs, with your companies, with your families. So at a minimum, I would say this, you never undermine another coach in front of the players. I would recommend the blanket policy be either you bite your tongue, you don't say anything and you discuss it afterwards and then come back to the team and then readdress it and say, hey, you know what? We got together as coaches. We talked about this and you know what? We're going to go with this strategy here. Or if you want to do it in the moment and you feel it's very important or urgent that you discuss it right then in that moment, there's a better way to transition into how you would probably coach it up by saying, hey, that right there, what coach so-and-so said definitely worked for some of you. Here's another way of looking at it. Or here's another way we could possibly do it too. Or here's another option for you. If you feel like you need to address it right then and there, it's important to not come across as definitive or
or dismissive. If you come across as dismissive in front of the players and with a definitive tone that the coach that just spoke up is wrong, that's terrible. That should never be allowed, never be accepted, and definitely not something that we should be doing. Tweet of the month number four. This tweet is from Zach Blair. Zach said, quote, coaches slash parents, if the player is giving full effort mentally and physically, how could you be mad when they fail? The objective should be all out effort all the time and let the results take care of themselves. That's well put right there, Zach. That is really well put. How can you get mad if they're hustling, listening, and giving full out effort? And the last tweet from Mark Johnson. Mark said, positive thought for today. Champions don't complain. They are too busy getting better. Champions don't complain. They're too busy getting better. Wow, enough said on that one. Okay, there's our top five. Now, let's get into something that would have been tweeted out had Twitter been around 100 years ago by Baby Ruth, by Babe Ruth, the great Bambino, Herman. He would have said this, and this is the quote of the week. Don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Babe Ruth said, don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. This is something, of course, that could be used all through life, but this is something that we need to talk to our players about. And I would actually change this quote around a little bit. I would say, don't let the fear of striking out keep you from getting up there and getting your swings in and having a good at bat. Don't let the fear of striking out keep you from having success at the plate. Now, we can say this to players, but then if we respond to their strikeout with being upset, this is something that's so important. And I want to discuss this next week. So be here next week. We're going to dive into this and how to coach up our players' mindset so they don't have the fear of striking out, keeping them from moving forward, keeping them from progress and success. Love that quote by Babe Ruth the Sultan of SWAT. Now for part two, final part in today's episode, one surefire way to tell which coaches are true masters of what they're sharing out, what they're coaching up, what they're teaching. First, do they get results consistently with a lot of players over the course of multiple seasons? In other words, do those coaches have consistent success with a large sample size, a longitudinal sample? And do they share it out in a very simple way, in the most simple of ways. The best coaches, the true masters, the true master teachers and master coaches, do they have success, long-term success, consistent success? And two, are they explaining it in a very easy to digest, easy to understand way? Great coaches are true masters of explaining things very simple. The two main reasons that this doesn't happen very often, that being a coach coaches something up in the most pure and simple way with all the extra complexity and extra wording and extra this and extra that removed. Two main reasons. One, ego. The ego comes in and we want to sound sophisticated. We want to sound sophisticated. So what we start talking about or what we're sharing out, we try to make it sound complex and it makes us feel intrinsically sophisticated or the perception then we think is going to be that we're sophisticated and this is a complex thing and we use big words and you all know what I'm talking about. But this complexity is the antithesis to progress and productivity. Complexity slows down progress, bar none, you all know this. That is why in the business world, simplicity makes money. Simplicity solves problems. Simplicity is what people want to buy. They want everything in their life in a simpler way or solved in a simpler, faster to the point, faster to the answer, faster to to ridding that pain, that pain point. Now, while in the business world, adding complexity then creates this 
perception that there's more product necessity and there's more services that are needed and all that. In the baseball coaching community, it strokes the ego to talk in complex ways. Trust me, this, most of you know, and you trust me on this, this is just how it does. And it's not a, not we're not, it's not evil. It's just the ego. It gets us all. It gets us all into trouble. And as coaches, the ego is going to limit and slow down your progress as a coach and your ability to communicate and solve and help and support your players to get better. So the ego makes us want to talk in complex ways, sophisticated ways to sound sophisticated. If you coach using sophisticated methods, you're going to have a very confused team. You're not going to have clarity. You're going to have kids playing slow. It's just not a good thing. And the second main reason that it happens is that the coach simply doesn't know it well enough. They don't know it well enough to describe it. And they don't understand the roots of whatever it is they're coaching up, the root of the pitching delivery, the root of the hitting approach. I saw a software out, Jasper, I think it used to be called Jarvis, or it's now Jarvis AI or something Jasper. A lot of you probably know what I'm talking about. There's these AI writing software things out there that I saw one that said, this will help you write something like you're talking to a kid. So in other words, it's essentially taking some sophisticated whatever paper or message or mission statement or whatever, or sales pitch, and it will reduce it down. It'll simplify it. And it hit me. I go, that is awesome. That is really cool. That is really neat. Now, is that going to help with coaching baseball, that particular software? I don't know, because they don't really know the game that well, but at least it could help us understand maybe where we get a little bit long winded or we get complex for no reason. Complexity destroys progress. Complexity does not help players that hear a bunch of complexity. They play slow. They play rigid. It's not fluid. It's not fast. One surefire way to tell that you're getting better as a coach is by listening to your dialogue and knowing that you are explaining things in a simple and understandable way, in a way that gets across to the player quickly and efficiently and across to a large amount of players. We need to, as coaches, avoid the ego trap and also understand what we're coaching up a little bit better. And that's why I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 principle. It's like, hey, let's be masters of the 20% of things, the 30% of things that make up 80 to 90% of a player's success, of a youth baseball coach's success. Let's be masters of this. This is a masterclass, not in the terms of, when I say the 80-20 baseball masterclass, this is not a masterclass to understand every single thing, master the entire game of baseball. This is a masterclass in which we master the big needle movers, the 90% of outputs. In other words, the 20 to 30% of things we can do as coaches that are going to influence and make 80 to 90% of the impact with our players. We want to master that and mastering something means we should be able to explain it in its most simple form in a very simple message that is digestible quickly by all your players or at least most of your players and then usable and put into action quickly by your players. That's why the hitting approach is the hitting approach. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. That's the plan A and the plan to 80-20 baseball hitting approach, which by the way, I got college coaches email me. I got youth coaches emailing me that are using it and they're seeing big time success with it. It works. It flat out is the simplest way you can teach up the pitch selection part of the hitting approach. All right. Thank you all for being coaches. Thank yourself. You should be proud of yourself for being a coach. It's awesome. It's a wonderful place to be. And it's even better when you have the confidence, when you walk out there, having the confidence. I didn't have this early on in my career, even having played high level baseball, I still didn't have quite that confidence, but it clicked when I started grasping these concepts and I started figuring it out and connecting the dots, which I'm sharing here with you. Man, what a great feeling walking out there, knowing that what you know and what you're going to use works and knowing 
something and having a, a plan, a path that you can clearly see you going down as a coach and your team going down towards success. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Next week, I have my top eight book recommendation, my top eight. I'm probably going to break it into top four books so I can break them down a little bit and what I think you should try to get out of them as a baseball coach. And I say that because most of these books are not sports books and most of them definitely are baseball coaching books. And you're going to see next week. Be here for that. Also, we're going to break down how to teach our kids to go up there, how to have the mindset all across the field of not fearing failure by alleviating the sense or the worry of failing so our kids can play fast with confidence. And in two weeks, I have a great catching tip, a great tip for all of you that will help you when you're coaching up your catchers. Support the podcast. There's a link in the show summary. You can support the podcast, make a little donation, keep this rolling. No commercials, no advertisements here. I edit this. I pay my editor, Sam, who's awesome. Sam over at Fiverr, S-A-Y-E-M. He does a great job. I spend three to four hours a week on this podcast. I love doing it. I love the feedback. Back. Keep sending me those emails, the feedback, all those success stories. Follow me on Twitter, 8020 underscore baseball, 8020 underscore baseball. The website, 8020baseball.com. Go over, get your drill design guide emailed to you right now. Go get that. And you can email me directly, coachbo at 8020baseball.com. Coachbo, 8020baseball.com. Awesome. Being here with all of you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your health so you can take care of your families, your good friends, and take this out there and put Put it into action. Put it into action because knowledge is nothing. Knowledge is not power. I heard, I saw this the other day. Knowledge is power. No, knowledge is nothing unless you go use it. So go use it. And until next week, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.